Good morning, Sleepy Town. I'm Beau Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House. Art House Radio on 88.5 WCUG, coming to you from across the tracks at 9th and Broadway in beautiful downtown Columbus, Georgia. Thanks for joining us today. We have a wonderful show planned for you today. We have some amazing guests. We have Alyssa Monks, American artist Alyssa Monks from New York City visiting us today. How you doing this morning, Alyssa? Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here with us. Thanks for coming. And we have Betsy Eby, American artist Betsy Eby. Hello. Betsy, Hello. Betsy, how are uh, you? Hi. Great. <laughs> Happy to be here. So glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming along with us. We're going to have a little conversation. We're going to have some music. Alyssa Monks is going to pick out some music for us, and she's going to DJ. We have a word of the day. The word of the day today is quintessential. Quintessential. I think that Alyssa Monks is the quintessential New York artist. (laughs) Wow, that's a really small club you belong to there. (laughs) But thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, I believe it. It's true. Appreciate the validation. And we have a quote of the day. The quote of the day comes from Henry Moore, sculptor Henry Moore. Art is the expression of imagination, not the reproduction of reality. Art is the expression of imagination, not the reproduction of reality. Henry Moore. The purpose of art is to wake us up. And the purpose of Art House Radio is to wake us up gently. So wake up, y'all. <laughs> You know, that quote makes me want to talk about what is reality exactly. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. I think we, I, sh- I totally think that should be our topic is what the heck is reality? That was one of the things over the last 18 months that I was really heavily contemplating as I made this recent body of work was how we are all kind of living in our own version of reality especially in, in the height of a, an isolated lockdown. And depending on what your favorite news outlet is and all the things you subscribe to either way, and where you were raised and your gender and the way you orientate yourself sexually, and it's it really changes your lens. And yet there's so many human experiences, human emotions that we share within all these constructs. So that so. would be the topic today. I like it, Alyssa. Thank you. Hmm. What the heck is reality and what are we doing here in it? Thanks for joining us on the Art House this morning. We're going to start off with a piece of music and then we will get right into the conversation. This is one of my favorite pieces by Jesse Marchant. See, I 
That was Jesse Marchant, and I am Bo Bartlett. You are listening to The Art House on 88.5 WCUG. We're joined today on The Art House with Alyssa Monks. Hi. Hey, Alyssa. And Betsy Eby. Hello. Hello, Betsy. How are you doing over there? Great. Alyssa, one of the reasons we have you on the show, besides the fact that you just happened to stop by our hometown, is that you have a show coming up in New York City. That's right. I finished 16 paintings for this upcoming show. Uh, it opens November 11th and runs through January 8th at Forum Gallery on Park Avenue in Manhattan. And I am especially proud of this body of work, which is something I don't say lightly. It was a, a very deep dive and a kind of a struggle to get this work out. So it feels cathartic to have gotten these things out of me. You know, it, it was really a lot about the pandemic and then it splintered off into other things as more and more things piled up that were happening all around me and happening personally. And just realizing the different levels of psychology that were that I was um, experiencing in isolation. I mean, I spent mm -hmm. the whole lockdown alone. And yeah, I was kind of witnessing my own mind kind of almost splitting into different different very clear psychological states you know and then it seemed like these states were actually being mirrored by what was going on in the world these opposing forces these groups of people that you know wanted to be heard so badly and felt like they'd never been seen before and at the same time i felt there were parts of me that wanted to be hurt so badly and the result of both of those was so much destruction even though it was it was positive and it had to come out it, it came out with a force that was destructive in a way mm. and that inspired a painting called the shadow self which is a Jungian concept about the disowned parts of our our personalities that we try to cover over and and not express because we're either ashamed of them or we don't we just don't want them to be part of us and and then when it ends up happening is they force their way out in kind of a destructive way. But the goal is to integrate. And like I could feel that happening inside of me and I could see it happening in the world. And, you know, this was all just fascinating. I had so much time to sit and read my old psychology books and get into all these different rabbit holes of, of, of everything. Anxiety, fear, terror, all these psychological states. And then... Where I landed was like this, um, this concept of control and security and how much we as people really need our security. You know, we need to be able to predict a certain amount of safety um, in order to function. And without it, we just kind of splinter, fall apart. Like we're yeah. in this place of unpredictability is awful. Yeah, and, and talking about that, you know, it's the hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And so... Maslow. Yeah, it's Maslow. So how much creativity can we then move on in life to um, express if we don't have a baseline of security? Right. So, yeah, if, if, if a population is feeling emotions of scarcity and insecurity, um, how can we prosper as a whole? Yeah. And how could we even pause enough to hear each other? And you the know. thing about the shadow self, too, that you were talking about is it's that 
saying of know thyself. And so I think that the shadow are these unsavory bits that were either taught are unacceptable by society or family or the whole thing. So the shadow gets forced down and you can't, you know, it'll live in your body as energy and it'll live in your psyche as energy. Even as hard as you work to push it down, it'll start to misfire. It'll oh, yeah. pop up in misfire. It wants to force its way out. But the other mm-hmm. way it, it manifests is we tend to see it projected on other people. Right. Big projection there. Yeah. As, yeah. As you, that's what Jung says, is that the yeah. less you're aware of it, the deeper and darker it is, and the more likely you are to project it onto others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you see that happening. You see like the uh, opposite sides of like a political spectrum. They're all the time projecting things that no one ever said or no mm-hmm. one ever believed or are just not part of that dialogue. So... I mean, I tend to be a person that likes to sit back and observe and listen instead of getting in the middle of the ring. And so this opportunity to really get in there and then observe, even observe my own mind as like, as though it were not mine, you know, and listen to, it sounds nuts, but this is what I was doing. Well, I really was. They're you very, can, very personal hmm. paintings. Her paintings have always oh, yeah. been personal. The, for those who aren't familiar, if, if you're familiar with her, her work, if you're an artist and you're familiar with her work, you'll know. But if you're not, it's Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A? Correct. M-O-N-K-S dot com, yep. perchance, and sure. on, on Instagram as well. So you can look at the work while she speaks, but um, it, it's always been highly personal. You've often used yourself as the primary subject in the paintings. Originally, you had a series of paintings of uh, the intimate paintings. You were in the tub or, or uh, behind shower curtains, and the work has gone through many uh, shifts and iterations. But in a way, to me, this new body of work, which I love, is bringing everything that you've learned in the process, but also hearkening back to some of the earlier work with the the self-portraits. Well, yeah, so what a parallel to the integration of the whole self. Right. And I think something that this body of work, you have these great titles, and one of them is, this is not what you wanted. And as personal as these paintings are, that is such a universal concept because when life hits us sideways, it's, it's nothing we ever think could befall our life or whatnot. But yeah. I also I think that these paintings speak of the durability of the human nature too. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that painting and that that title for a second. There's a there was a series I was watching called Dark. It's a German series. And uh there's a song called Bad Kingdom and it's by May the Muse and Robot Coke. And um it's such a poignant song and it really spoke to me because it just gives you the space to acknowledge, wow, this is really not what you wanted, you know, and just to hold, make space for that. And then of course it sent me down this other rabbit hole of thinking about what we want, you know, and the wanting, the longing, you know, that we have and how we tend to cling to these wants and our longings and think we can't be happy if we don't have what we want. We tend to think we know what's going to make us happy. And many studies are coming out showing that that is not true. Humans are terrible at predicting what's going Mm -hmm. to make them happy. Mm -hmm. And so, but still, it hurts. It still hurts to have something happen that is not what you wanted. And yeah, it's just a beautiful song. I hope we get to play it. But the painting is just making space for that. And, and, you know, it's for me, when I started the painting, it was 
it was about all of us having this experience that we were having collectively of this pandemic and the isolation and all the loss and disruption and disappointments. And as I was working on it, my brother, who was my very best friend in the world, was diagnosed with a glioblastoma. And this was April of this year. Just as people are coming out with vaccines and, you know, supposedly the, the lockdown's over, right? He gets this diagnosis and it's it's a serious diagnosis. He's He's got a, a very serious prognosis ahead of him. And oh my God, the heartache, you know? And it was just like, I would take 10 pandemics back to back to not have this be the reality I'm in. And so that shifted the work to being even more like, oh my God, I've been making these paintings. They're all in the studio looking at me. And I had no idea this was coming. You know, this, this other level of pain was coming. And it was like, I said to my friend once, I said, you know, this, these paintings get me. These paintings understand me. And it sounded like, well, listen, of course they do. You made them. <laughs> but, but I meant it really like, for some reason, they were there to receive this experience. They were already started. And then um, I continued down this road. And yeah, there, it really became about trying to figure out how do you live? How do you continue to live your life when all of a sudden you're dealt something so so out of your control that is definitely going to change your life and change your mind and change your heart and if you hang in there you can be resilient and you can grow from it and you can find a deeper level of humility and empathy and um gosh compassion and, and all the good stuff you know and really learn to savor present moment even in a way that you couldn't without something to happen to remind you how special you know time is mm -hmm. and uh I think as artists, we're very, very lucky. And I say this to young kids, too, who are playing an instrument. And I say, you know, stay with it because it will be a constant companion for you in your loneliest days. When you're little, you don't understand that, but later you do. And I think it's true about whether or not you become a professional artist or whatever your endeavor is where you're working from your imagination and with your hands. But as artists, I think we're very lucky because life presents all these things and we are lucky, so fortunate to be able to have a place to sublimate all of that and actually make manifest, you know, make that manifest into something that's tangible and transformational. Yeah, exactly. I think that the paintings become uh, any artwork, any piece of art, painting, sculpture, music, anything, sculpture, becomes a receptacle and a place that houses those feelings and a place for you to put those feelings and you work through them and it, it's something that continues to contain that energy throughout and it is a, about a version of sublimating to get down any negative feelings and get them out into a positive way into the world and that is a psych term also a Jungian term yeah I, I think I'd love to hear the piece of music that yeah. inspired this yeah painting. let's play it okay great uh, would you introduce it one more time it's called bad kingdom and it, this version of it is done by may the muse and robot coke No one's gonna shed a tear No need to shout Just to stand a silence They will spend time In the early morning's haze You sit and wait 
That was Goodbye by Apparat with Soap and Skin from the Netflix series Dark. And that was one of the songs that inspired our guest today, Alyssa Monks, on her new series of paintings. That's a beautiful piece. Yeah, it's really moving. And it, it's actually the theme song of that series. The series inspired a lot of things. I, I don't know if anybody's familiar with it, but it's, it's basically about the concept of free will. Yeah. I haven't seen the series yet. Oh, this, yeah. this is a theme that Betsy and I talk about a mm-hmm. lot. Well, it was introduced to me because I was doing a lot of meditations with Sam Harris, and he had a whole series about free will. So we, yeah. we listened to them and talked about that quite a bit. Debated, I'd say. Yeah. It is a very interesting topic to explore. I mean, just even as a thought experiment, and you don't have to pick a side, but to think about the way human consciousness works and how much of our subconscious is actually doing versus our consciousness. Like we are not aware of like 90% of what's going on in our, in our actual brain. And I think Sam Harris's point too, and one of his points is that we don't have access to most of our subconscious consciously. Right. So a lot of these things that we're deciding, are we really deciding them? I don't know. And you break it down more on a chemical level and we have neurotransmitters that have been neuropathways that have been etched from a very young place like you, yeah. you hear about the zero to three a lot of us our influences you know are, are hatched zero to three and so you think about the neuropathways that are etched and so then other things that we decisions we make and things are just habitual gravitations toward those pre-existing yeah. neuropathways yeah so it takes a lot of discipline to break the cycles of thought yeah. But doesn't one think that the more aware or self-aware one is, the more, I don't want to use the word control, but Ooh, the, let's the get into it, man. greater <laughs> their ability, I'm going there. the greater their ability to be aware of the motivations, conscious or unconscious. I think the mind can only be so aware of itself. I mean, you can't, the thing that's studying the thing is the thing. So how good can it be studied? You know, so uh, it, I, I like what you're saying. Self-awareness is huge. That's great. And you can access more with self-awareness for sure. Otherwise, we're just but complete self-awareness. Well, here we are going back to the shadow, because if you're not doing the work to get a certain proficiency yep. of self-awareness, you're going to be operating from shadow. And even much with of the, the shadow, I think there's still just so much going on that it, it's impossible. But no, it's not impossible. Bringing back to this <laughs> series, um, obviously it's a fictional series that goes down this thought experiment of you know using time travel to actually go back and correct the past or the future, so that you can control it. You know, and the idea is that if you really do have free will, you should be able to control it all. You should be able to fix it. Hmm. And I find this idea of like maybe free will isn't really what we're working with as a way to liberate ourselves and, and forgive each other for the things that, and forgive ourselves for these situations that we're in and to relinquish control because it is in trying to control things that are out of our control. You know, and I'm not talking about things that we can control. You know, we can control how kind we are. We control how generous we are and, and our, you know, conscious behaviors. But the things that we cannot control, if we allow that and make space for that there's tremendously less suffering you know and so that's a big theme in the, in my work actually right now there the show is called it's it's all under control mm-hmm. and we'll play a song let's uh, the next song we should play is this song pioneers and it's by block party mm-hmm. also from dark and it's 
really brings that concept home of, okay. you know, it's all under control. It's all under control. And it's like, yeah, it's not. It's not. This is a fantasy. This is a dream we're having that we're actually controlling all of this. You know, what a hubris we humans have to think that we're controlling so much. No, I, I really feel like on some level, Alyssa, that, I mean, many of us often are controlled by our unconscious motivations. The more you learn from your past experience, then you're able to correct. And next time you adjust your alignment and you take a slightly different path. But so you have learned. But that's part of it. Right. That's right. the that's your brain designed a way that it is to learn to make that adjustment. That's going to happen because that's the way your brain is built. Influences all affect how we think and what we do, but we still use a version of our will. I mean, will is a thing mm -hmm. to make each choice that we make, and each choice we make determines where we wind up and where where we where we are going and where we wind up. I think when we dream, we need to dream in a broad brush because there are going to be so many nuances between now and the horizon line that we're moving toward with our goals, dreams, aspirations. There are going to be so many small nuances that we can't control that we have to learn how to absorb those things, pivot around those things, learn from those things, but keep our eye on the horizon of that broad brush big dream. Yeah, I think there's got to be a balance in it. You know, know when to let go. <laughs> I'm also a middle child, so I believe that we can have a wave and particle duality. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, actually, I think we can have wave, particle, ether, plurality. So, Coexisting. You know, and, and everything in physics talks about that. It's, everything's relative to, to each other, so... And the truth is that, I mean, nothing means anything, that we only apply the meaning. Right. We're the creatures that are applying the meaning Absolutely. to things. And so if we just move through life with different sets of meaning and, you know, I mean, it's all about shared meaning and how we assign meaning to things. And that's where it's dangerous. Like, you know, if, if you assign a meaning to something that doesn't have meaning, then, you know, you're like in your own little reality assigning meaning to it. But the question is about how we can share reality. Oh, yeah. I had a, uh, a friend, uh, Rosalie Smith, who was a counselor at LaSalle University in Pennsylvania. I put her in one of my paintings, and she was just lit up, just beaming. She was a beautiful, tall, black woman. Mm -hmm. And I just I did a painting of her, and I asked her when, I, when she was posed, and I said, you know, how did you get like this, honestly? Because she was just glowing and clearer eyes you've never seen, and almost you could see her aura. And I said, how did you get like this? And she said, oh, five years of psychoanalytic psychotherapy every day, you know, mm. every day for five years. And I was like, wow, well, you know, just give me the cliff notes. What did you learn? <laughs> and, and she said... Can't do the cliff notes. Yeah, I just wanted to get right to the heart of it. And she said, I learned to know the difference between when an issue was mine uh, and when an issue was someone else's. Right. Learn to know the difference between when an issue was mine and when an issue was someone else's. And that really is, as we move through life, if we have the self-awareness enough yeah. of being, sense of being enough, we can make that decision when a certain issue arises between two people or in a situation, you can decide, is this my issue? Mm -hmm. Am I causing this friction, this drama, or is this your issue and are you causing That's this? That's another way of saying what is in my control and what is not. Mm -hmm. What can I will about this? 
and what is beyond my free will. And I, th I think life is constantly making those decisions. I mean, you might want it to be clear on Saturday for your party outside in the backyard, but it doesn't mean that you can will the weather. I don't think, I could be wrong about this. I don't think I can will the weather to be clear. I can just throw it to the universe and say, oh, I hope it's clear. Right. A little mini prayer to the universe and say, because it'll be much more fun for everybody if it's not raining. And then whatever happens, happens. But you've let your intentions be known to the universe. Right. So that's a great example of like, as a small mundane example of something that's not in your control, that if you're clinging to it, must it, if it rains, it's going to be ruined. Everything will be terrible and I can't get, I just can't deal with it. If it's going to rain, it's going to just ruin everything. Well, you're going to suffer. So these are the small pivots I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Life and is what, full of small pivots. And what my work right now is about is the, are the huge ones. Mm -hmm. Are the, I'm talking death, mm -hmm. sickness, accidents, you know, cancer diagnosis. I'm talking like those real big ones. One painting is called Watch the Only Way Out Disappear, which is actually a line from that song, Goodbye. And it's just, it's just terror. It's that feeling of like the walls are closing in. And I did not want this. I didn't choose this. And the surrendering that one must do in order to actually ride the wave and survive it. You're saying pivot. I'm saying dive right into it. Mm -hmm. You know, and let it let it break you, because you don't know what you want anyway. Really, you know, you don't really know what's gonna what's gonna happen. Your control is actually it's okay because the universe has you. You know, you don't have to fight this one. You know, just let it take you down and you'll see that the, you, you can experience almost a rebirth inside of that pain. So letting go in a way. Yeah. Being malleable, flexible. Yeah. Pivoting, allowing what it's going to happen to happen. But at the same time, having intention. Intention's fine. No one said you're not learning or having intention. All of that comes, but I think you can't even hold intention you can't even have awareness if you don't, on some level, accept what's actually happening. If you're still gripped with the, the denying what's happening, you know? You constantly have to let go. It's a constant letting go. Yeah. At every moment. I mean, we can tie this into painting if you want, because that's where that's, it really lives, too. That's where it lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what painting is about. Yeah. Any creative act. Yeah. Any creative act that you can't know where the, the end is. No, painting... You can't know what the destination is going to be and say that you're actually creating something. Well, here's going back to the Henry Moore quote, too. Yeah. If you're, t if you're clinging tightly to, to represent reality, you know, you're going to make a dead thing. But if you are riding the wave in collaboration with the absolute uncertainty sometimes to many people very frightening feeling of vulnerability that lives that where you're living in that space you don't know what's gonna what the painting's gonna end up looking like mm -hmm. but chances are it's gonna be much better than you could have imagined it that's the hope yeah if, if yeah. you allow if you if you let go if you i mean you have to bring your skills to it and know exactly what you're doing but there's it's a fine it's a balance right I would say you're uh, witnessing it more than you are but i do too the, sometimes i don't know the, how they're the, making the, it. the the will aspect of it is that you put the canvas on the easel or on the wall and <laughs> that you start yes mm -hmm. that's the that's your action 
open the linseed oil and take a whiff <laughs> and yeah, it's, let it, let it wash over you. So yeah. let's, let's yeah. let that happen and let's let that be part of the creative act and let's hear another piece of music. So uh, let's have a little music break here. Great. Alyssa, will, will you introduce this next couple of pieces of music for us? Uh, the song is called The Pioneers by Block Party.
was you, I'd run. If I was you, I'd hide. If I was you, I'd be afraid. Afraid of what's inside. If I was you, I'd run. If I was you, I'd hide. If I was you, I'd be afraid. Afraid of what's inside. Inside by Chris Avant-Garde, you're listening to The Art House, Art House Radio on 88.5 WCUG, coming to you from beautiful downtown Columbus, Georgia. And today, our special guest on The Art House is Alyssa Monks, American painter Alyssa Monks, and we're accompanied by Betsy Eby. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Bo. This is a fun thrill. Let's go backwards just a little bit. We're, we're talking about a, a lot of different things, shadows and reality and darkness and inspirations. But talk to me, and, and about free will, but talk to me a little bit about your uh, your early life. Where did you come from and how did you get here? I grew up in New Jersey. I'm the youngest of eight. I have six older brothers and a sister. And that is important, I think, <laughs> part of where I came from. <laughs> And, and you don't believe in free will? You had all those <laughs> well, you know, um, maybe that's part of the reason why I don't. I started painting when I was probably, I was think I was in kindergarten when they decided to put me into um, painting classes. And I uh, started in this like adult painting class in a barn. And it was in the attic of this barn. And I just remember that linseed oil smell and fell in love with it and um, never stopped. So I always wanted to do this. This became a really important part of my processing of things around me throughout young adulthood and my formative years. And then uh, I went to college in Boston and then um, 
studied in Florence a bit, came back to New York and studied at the New York Academy of Art, got my master's degree there. And then um, I've been living in New York City painting since then. Who were your primary instructors at the uh, New York Academy? I really went there because of Vincent Desiderio. You know, I saw his work and I thought, this is what I want to learn to do. You know, I, I still remember that first class. By this point, I'd already been painting quite a while. Even though I was only 21 years old, I'd been painting for, I don't know, 13 years. And I had a lot of questions, a ton of questions. And within the first half an hour, he answered all of those questions and then gave me like a million more questions. <laughs> it was wonderful. I just couldn't get enough. And uh, I, those two years were just, oh my God, mind-blowingly exciting, inspirational. I found my people, you know what I mean? I found where I was supposed to be and uh, other people who wanted to do what I was doing and what, you know, we just were on the road together. And I admired my classmates so much. Gosh, I just couldn't believe the, the work that was going on around me. So much inspiration so that, you know, I felt like it's not just mine anymore. This is, I just want to be in the room. You know, I want to be in the, in the conversation because that instilled in me a, a kind of attitude about this detachment to my own success in a way that I define my success by how satisfied I feel with my process. And like, am I being true to what I believe? And am I speaking honestly and authentically, you know? Cause I didn't think I was gonna be <laughs> like any kind of success and like selling art. Who does that? You know, it <laughs> seemed insane to me. So I didn't plan on it. I planned to be a waitress or an assistant or <laughs> something else. So that liberated me to actually make the work I wanted to make and be fascinated with other people's work and curious and excited. So do you think that's what that means by dreaming with a broad brush? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're free from the expectation, mm -hmm. you know, and then you can get down to business, right? I, I remember the first time I made a really great painting at the end of school, it was because I destroyed it. You know, and I, I, I was finishing up this piece. It was the my what they call the diploma project back then. It's basically your thesis. Mm -hmm. And I, I just took a palette knife to it and started hacking away at it. And one of my classmates came by and was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. And it, it just released something in me where I was like, oh, oh, this is trash now. Now I can really work on it. Mm. And there was no expectation for it anymore. And it was the best thing I had done because I, I could I could just follow it now. You know, I could just be a witness to it and just be open and let it work on me. There was no trying. There was no striving. There was no requirement for it to be something. It was free to be what it needed to be. And it was, I got a glimpse of that feeling and I never wanted anything less than that from my work. You know, that reminds me of, oh, I'll have some paintings going from time to time and they are just not working out. And I know when it's time to call it and I'll scrape it back and I'll just yeah. like, you know, scrape it back. It's like, well, there goes a hundred something bucks worth of material. And then I'll look at my canvas, all tortured and ready to be what its next iteration. I'm like, well, got to paint like there's nothing to lose. Yeah. That like four-year-old comes out, you know, before anything had to follow a certain logic or formula or expectation. And it's just, I just want to do this now. After you've tortured a piece to death, and it really is just like, I, at this point, I've got nothing to lose because yeah. you're just sort of wrung out by it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so, uh, you know, going back to your question, Vincent 
very much believes that too. Like he really rides those waves and experiments and is not afraid to destroy his work in the hopes that there's a little bit of a chance of something new happening. And I just love that about it. I learned so much from him. And there's a lot of, I don't want to start calling out all the names because if I don't include everybody, I'm going to get in trouble. I'll give us a couple. Well, Eric Fischel became a, quite a mentor to me, uh, mm -hmm. but, but more so after graduation. Mm -hmm. I think his mind is just, uh, just God, so clear about what he wants to do and, and his humility about his uh, technique and his openness to, uh, to learning and, and, and his generosity of spirit towards younger artists, you know, I, I, like yourself, Bo. You know, I, when I first approached you, I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, okay, come on, let's let's be brave. And you couldn't have been nicer to me. You know, you just couldn't have been more friendly. And oh, I, thanks. Yeah, and I see you do that with other people too. And I think that that underlines again, like this is this is not a solipsistic existence. Artists need other artists. We communicate and we inspire each other, and we grow together. And if you're trying to do it all by yourself, you're going to be. I don't know. At yeah. the very least, you'll just repeat yourself. Well, you, you you pay it forward. I think. I mean, I think that you very much are inspiration for so many young young painters, especially female painters. And well, thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for all you do. That's that's a privilege to me. That really feels like an honor to be in that position. Um, I, I that's one of the things I think I'm most proud of is that I I have excited the minds of other people. You know, that, that really feels good. Yeah. That feels better than any red dot, you know, <laughs> honestly, to be able to share this. That's why I teach, you know, to watch that moment come across somebody's face when they see themselves do something they didn't think they could do. Ugh, it's gold. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just gold. It's a thrill. It's very giving. Thanks for doing that. No, I do it for my own, my, <laughs> my own joy. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. thanks required. Well, I want to thank you for being here with us today and thank you for inspiring all of the young artists. Oh, well, thank you too. You're an inspiration. And it really is. It's a, it's a, it's a group effort, you know, and that's really what the, the work comes down to for me. The, and this body of work is specifically, I want people to be able to find themselves in it. I want to give relief to all of that, that stuff we've been feeling. And nobody's alone. We are truly experiencing a lot of the same emotions, maybe different, mm -hmm. definitely different circumstances, of course. But if we can understand that we all bleed the same blood, you know, we bleed red. And if we can empathize with each other, I think we could start to, um, to take better care of each other. And that, um, that's the only way forward with all this stuff going on in our, in our world now. So, yeah, take care of each other out there, and and uh, thanks for taking care of me. Yeah, yeah, and 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 take care of yourselves. And I think that's you know self care is is an important part of that process. Oh yeah, get to know your shadow self. There's yeah. good stuff. Know there. thyself. Know thyself. <laughs> what, what's that one painting that you have? It's a recent painting. It's a, it's going to be in the show where your hands are sort of over your face. It reminds mm, me of yeah, like Albrecht Dürer's praying hands. But then there's your face behind them, and then there's a obfuscated, I don't know if it's a shower curtain or a piece of glass with some water beads on the front of it. But it, there's something that reminds me of Durer, Durer about it. Um, Interesting. Oh, that's the, this is not what you wanted. That's that painting. 
Oh, that's that painting. Yeah, this one. Wow. That's a large painting. It's about eight feet across. Everybody can relate to that painting. Everybody. Yeah, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point is, you know, when you strip away the circumstances and the uh, the specificity of the narrative, the gut feeling is the same. And if we could see each other as as people who hurt, you know, and realize that we can hurt each other, we can make each other feel that way. You know, we might we might behave differently mm-hmm. as people. That's sort of an, that's sort of a add on to the Buddhist saying of there is suffering. So then there is suffering. So let's not put suffering on one another. Yeah. Or on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and th- that goes back to the understanding that you're not really controlling a lot of this stuff anyway. So and what you want isn't always what is going to be the best thing. You know, like it's like when we're talking about our work too. You may have a initial vision for what you want to paint and what you want your art to look like. But that may not be the best iteration. That's probably the worst idea of all the ideas, right? Like your first idea is your worst idea. So it's like that with life too. You can have an idea of how you want a conversation to go or a relationship to go or a certain event to go, but you're limited in the actual options because you can only imagine so much. And that's part of what Sam Harris is talking about with free will. Like you can choose, but you can only choose from what you know is possible. You well, because here's you can't choose from what you don't know is possible. Yeah, because the other thing is everything is dynamic. Everything is breathing. Everything is in flux. Yes, there's a lot more than you can actually hold in your consciousness. What so, we have to learn is what it means to be open. That's it. Yeah, it's all under control. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Really look forward to your show, which will be at Forum Gallery in New York City. And the title of the show is... It's all under control. It's all under control, y'all. It's not. <laughs> okay, we're going to go out with some music, and um, I'll see you at the outro. Thanks, Alyssa.
could see me inside them. I suppose you could just leave the image of me in the background, I guess, and, and watch your own reflection superimpose. And I build each one of my days out of hope, and I give that hope your name. And I don't know you that well, but it don't take much to tell either you don't have the balls of you, don't feel the same. Come here, stand in front of the light. Stand still so I can see your silhouette. I hope that you have got all night. Cause I'm, I'm not done looking, no, I'm not done looking. Your profile, for a translation. I study the conversation like a map. Cause I know there is strength in the differences between us. And I know there is comfort where, where we overlap. Oh. I'm Bo Bartlett, and you've been listening to The Art House, Art House Radio on 88.5 WCUG. Thanks for being with us today. We've been joined by Alyssa Monks, talking about all the things, <laughs> free will, shadow, or Just painting. a little light conversation, light. deep dive. <laughs> Darkness. So thanks for being with us. You can see the complete playlist of the music on the website, arthouseradio.com. That's A-R-T-H-A-U-S radio.com. Check it out. Most of the music today was selected by our guest, Alyssa Monks. Hope you'll get a chance to get out and see some art today. Go out to the art institutions in your area. Go to the museums, the galleries. In Columbus, we have the Columbus Museum. We have Passaquan, St. Eddie Martin's Home. We have Highland Gallery, the Do Good Fund, and the Bo Bartlett Center. At the Bo Bartlett Center, you can see the Do Good Fund's Looking Mail, a photography show of Southern contemporary photographs, and you can see the South Arts Exhibition. I want to thank our guest, Alyssa Monks and Betsy Eby. I want to thank our 
producer extraordinaire, Sho Irakawa, and today, our special engineer, Lewis Myers. Thanks, Lewis. Go out and see some art. Get in your studio and make some art. Or go outside and paint plain air. Sing, dance, play your song, write your story. We all have our stories. We all have our stories to tell. Tell yours, don't hold back. We have but one life, so let's live it and let's make this world a better place. Thanks for listening today. See you right back here next week. Love and light, y'all.